0: Do you ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Here I share what I've discovered from my challenges with ADHD and chemo brain. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now certified productive environment specialist and ADHD productivity coach with well over 20 years of experience in business office design and productivity. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, wife, mom of a teen and a cat, and a lifelong geek. I'm old enough now to be proud of it. I've learned that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget our appointments, we can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and fits who we are with our unique brains. I believe that to be truly productive, we need to learn how to be intentionally unproductive a strange twist for a productivity coach. But hey, I love to ski, sail, and surf. Listen in and learn how to streamline your space and systems so you can be more focused, organized, and have more time to be intentionally unproductive. Hey everyone, Catherine Avery of Productivity by Design and your host of the Uncluttered Office podcast. Today, my guest is Katie Weber, and she is the uh, great honor of being the very first person to be on my month of March Madness. Spell madness: M-A-D-H-D-N-I-S. Pretty excited about this because I've been meaning to bring on some really top-notch, amazing people in the ADHD world. So, Katie Weber is that. She is an ADHD coach, author, speaker, and founder of Women in ADHD LLC. She is an outspoken advocate for neurodiverse women and host of the weekly Women in ADHD podcast, currently ranked among the top 1% of all podcasts globally. Thanks for being here, Katie. Thank you for having me. I am super psyched. So why don't we start with, <laughs> drumroll? women in ADHD. Being a woman and having ADHD, how did you come to find out you have ADHD?
1: Well, I was diagnosed. I like to call myself a pandemic diagnosis. I was diagnosed at the beginning, relatively at the beginning of the lockdown at the age of 45 when my kids were home and we were doing remote learning, and my husband was home and we didn't have a housekeeper anymore. And (laughs) I was suddenly, you know, cook, teacher, parent, as many, many working mothers experienced during that period of time. So that was kind of how I came to the diagnosis. My therapist actually recommended that I look into it, which is rare. I feel like a lot of women in their 40s come to it through their children, you know, middle school age usually, or, you know, their their kids are diagnosed and then they sort of look at these childhood symptoms and think, wait, this sounds a lot like me and my childhood. (laughs) I actually didn't come to it through my kids, although I'm pretty sure both of them are, uh, would past with flying colors. Uh, but I, my therapist over the years had gently suggested to me that I look into ADHD. And my reaction was always, I don't know what you're talking about. I was a little insulted. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. First of all, I'm not hyperactive. In fact, I viewed myself as being very lazy. And, you know, I was somebody who could lie around on the couch all day, feeling terrible. Like I had been diagnosed with depression and anxiety for most of my adult life. And so the H in ADHD really threw me. (laughs) And so I was really like, I don't know what you're talking about. I never felt like I had a deficit of attention. I thought I had bipolar and i would talk to her about the kind of mood swings you know i would go back and forth between being having this kind of manic energy around business and and starting up i would have a new idea or i'd be taking a new certification or i'd decide you know i'd wake up one day and be like i'm going to be a yoga instructor and i would talk about it and i'd be super excited about it and i would take the course and do all the things and then i would you know, lose interest and move on to something else. And then I was, you know, I'm going to be a a chef or, you know, and so over the years she was seeing that like super fascinating interest in things and then sort of like burnout or disinterest and going into a state of like lethargy and exhaustion and depression. And so that swing of that pendulum is what made me think I had bipolar. And I I've since learned, you know, quite a lot of women kind of they wonder that uh, before they get their ADHD diagnosis. But luckily my therapist saw that kind of manic swing and was suggesting to me that I, I look into ADHD. And it wasn't until I started talking about my difficulty with school, the fact that I was, I was in the gifted program and was considered very bright, by my parents and, and I, um, you know, had a very high, high IQ, but I did really poorly in school. And I think that was finally the tipping point where she was like, you need to look into this (laughs) and, and I was really struggling with everybody at home and with the pandemic. And I was like trying to work on whatever business I was working on at that time and just couldn't, I felt like I couldn't focus on anything. I was just sort of in waiting mode because I never knew when one of my kids was going to burst into the room and the wi is out or, you know, I can't get out of zoom or like all of these, you know, these instantaneous chaotic, like urgencies that we had during that period of time where I just felt like I was sitting around in waiting mode mm. and really struggling. So. Then I finally was like, all right, I'm going to look into what this is. And that moment, as many of us can attest, like it was just like mind explosions, one after the other, as I looked over what actually ADHD looks like in adult women. And then, you know, looking back over my entire life through this new lens. And it just felt like I was, you know, turning over rocks and underneath there was ADHD, you know, middle school grade issues college, dropping out of college. And then it was like new parent motherhood and and PPD and PPA and like all of the issues with parenting. And so, yeah, it was really just this incredibly overwhelming, transformative, revelatory experience to get that diagnosis at the age of 45 and to sort of realize suddenly all of these seemingly random struggles I had had in my life had a name to them, which was profound. Right. I
0: kind of liken that whole combined type thing of us bouncing back and forth between sloth on the sofa. My daughter's inattentive ADHD. So I always have called her the sloth on the sofa. And then that speeding bullet train, the one that just blows past the stations and forgets to stop. And then when it finally does yeah. stop, it's probably derailed off the track. So that's sort of how I look at the two different types. And I know technically there's three because you've got the combined type of ADHD, and I think that metaphor just kind of helps people visualize
1: what it yeah, is. Yeah, I know, right? It was funny because when I was in my doctor's office getting the diagnosis, and she was asking me questions about hyperactivity, but she was asking like, you know, when you're when you're in really heavy traffic, w- what's your response when you're in traffic? And I'm like, I want to rip the steering wheel out of the dashboard and throw it out the window. And I'm like, Oh, No well, idea what right. you're talking about, <laughs> right? But like, so once I started thinking about hyperactivity in terms of road rage or in terms right. of impulsive shopping, you know, and there's so many ways in which we have this kind of internalized hyperactivity that we just don't make that connection that that's what that is. But oh. I was like, oh yeah. Like it was no surprise to me that I I was diagnosed combined after we really started talking about how it, what it looks like.
0: We're also fast talkers.
1: <laughs> oh, I know. Right. You're moving your
0: hands. And, blah, blah, you blah. and And people are always saying to me, I speed up your podcast to listen to it. And I'm thinking, you don't know how hard I work to slow down my (laughs) podcast so y'all can keep up with me because I am a fast talker. And then I don't know if this happens to you when I'm fast talking and I'm excited about something in that hyperactive overdrive that often looks like mania, but is in fact not. I will lose concepts and threads and ideas and things, because my brain is going 100 miles per hour and my mouth is going 50 and it can't keep up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if you've experienced that too.
1: Oh, I lose my train of thought all the time. That was was one thing I think is quite common where a lot of us sort of feel like maybe we might have early onset Alzheimer's because... (laughs) (laughs) you know, Right. Well, not only that, but I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of things that kind of uh, work into our working memory, but a lot of the times, yeah, it's just like we're going a million miles a minute and then thoughts kind of come and go so quickly that you're just always trying to grasp at them and and then they fall through your fingers. Right. When I
0: go walking, I take my cell phone with me and I'm ready to be able to voice stuff into it because I come up with these great ideas and I'm like, oh no, I'm going to forget it. What was it? Quick, say it into the phone.
1: Oh yeah, I know, right? But that's <laughs> yeah, whenever I'm walking with my husband too, I have my Apple Watch with me and it's just like every 10 seconds I'm like, "Siri, remind me to do this. Remind me to do this. Remind me to do this." So, yeah.
0: Oh, that's a good idea. I forget to uh I forget that I could use the Apple iWatch.
1: Oh, I because do. Yeah.
0: If I don't have my phone with me, I can't use the iWatch cuz they're paired. Same. Okay, because some people have watches which are actually a phone. I just wasn't ready to spend yet more money.
1: I know, I hear you. Another
0: phone device. First of all, I mean, I can answer the phone from the watch. I just don't really like to, but I can. And I'll be like, can I call you back? I'm talking into my watch and this is painful. Walking around with your arm, you know, up in the air, holding the watch to your face so that they can hear you. No, I'm not quite ready for Get Smart. Do you remember him? (laughs) Oh, yeah walking up the hallway with all the doors (laughs) kind of feels like adhd i wonder if he had adhd i don't remember the actor's name
1: yeah that's funny
0: that's fun too do you ever do that where you watch people on tv and think do they have adhd or maybe they're on the spectrum or
1: oh absolutely yeah
0: characters on tv like i'm fascinated right now about the mind of dr house I don't know if you've ever watched House on TV.
1: Oh, you know, I never did watch House, but no, I'm not surprised by that. Uh, he's, absolutely. He's really
0: outspoken. He doesn't have a very good filter. <laughs> you know, completely brilliant. Emotional quotient eh, might be a little mess of mess. <laughs> too, funny, too funny. So talk to me about the group you run, because I know you do, with the Women in HD and, and maybe a bit about the podcast. And And sort of like, how did you get from, I'm 45 years old, I'm getting an ADHD diagnosis to boom, I'm going to create an empire.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. So the experience of the diagnosis and just, you know, the hyper-focus and researching into ADHD and just learning so much about it. And like many women, you know, I, as soon as this sort of occurred to me and it was so, it was so profound that I, you know, typed in women ADHD into the search engine of Apple Podcasts. I found Tracy Otsuka's podcast, uh, ADHD for smart ass women. I listened on one and a half speed to like 75 episodes in a row while walking and was just, you know, learning so much about ADHD. And I joined all these Facebook groups and and, you know, was just like I made it my life and and it just felt I really was, you know, I was home alone and during, we were during lockdown and I was like, I want to know if there's other women out there who were diagnosed in adulthood who had a similar experience to mine, where it just felt so life-changing. Like I really felt like a Phoenix who was rising from the ashes of, you know, this sort of emotional breakdown where I just felt like I, my inner narrative, my sense of self changed so dramatically in such a positive way. And so I was like, well, how am I going to, you know, how am I going to facilitate conversations? I should start a podcast because then I have a way, a reason to reach out to people and interview yeah. them. And I have a, I have a quite an extensive journalism background too. So it's not a surprise that I, I like to interview people. So it kind of made sense. So I started this podcast in December of 2020 and you know really like just as an excuse to hear other women's stories and it just took off and and i think the reason why it took off was because we learn about what adhd looks like by sharing our lived experiences mm-hmm. by sharing you know the secret struggles and the secret shames that a lot of us have experienced in our lives that we didn't want to talk about i mean there is a lot of depression and and grief mixed up in a life with ADHD. And it's very nuanced. It's not all just this amazing manic superpower. There's a there's a, you know, a lot of us struggled and there is a lot of trauma involved. And so it's it's so complicated that I think listening to each other, listening to other women share their stories was really hitting home with a lot of women who were kind of realizing like I did, you know, Oh, wait a minute. ADHD. Isn't just hyperactive little boys that this is like, this is what it looks like. We were putting a face to ADHD and adult women. So naturally I called it women and ADHD because that was what I had searched for and it hadn't been taken yet. So I was like, Oh, awesome. So I started that. And then as I was, you know, was, was interviewing more and more women, I was, I mean, it was just so healing for me mm. to have these conversations. It was so cathartic, and I felt like it was really cathartic for the women who were being interviewed to share their stories. And it was cathartic for the listeners, too. Like it just felt like everybody was winning. And I was meeting so many incredible, brilliant women, no matter what they no matter what field they were in or where their life had taken them. Like you could just tell, this community of neurodivergent women is so brilliant and so special and i just wanted them to all meet each other i was like i'm meeting all of these incredible women how can i get them to meet each other and and you know at the same time i was realizing how important finding each other was to our own journey right to know that you're not alone to realize that there are other women who have this very very similar experiences to you and i think just that permission that you that you don't have to feel shame about a lot of these things is so healing. And it really is kind of part of the quote unquote treatment of ADHD is finding your people. So then I, you know, didn't really want to start a Facebook group because I, I try to stay away from Facebook. <laughs> it just makes me angry. Like, I feel like every time I'm on Facebook, I'm after 30 seconds, I'm thrown into a rage by something. And so I try to stay away from Facebook <laughs> as much as possible. So, we created a Facebook community outside of Facebook where really it was just a place for us to message each other and share resources and meet each other and communicate. We have like live Zoom hangouts. I now uh, brought in a wonderful woman who is an. Therapist and an ADHD specialist named Julia Edwards. And she runs the community with me and she does a lot of like informative Q and A's about, about ADHD. And it's just, yeah, it's just been sort of growing into this wonderful community, supportive community of women. Uh, you know, I, I like to call myself an ADHD midwife for those women who are newly diagnosed and are really just sort of in that phase of, of self-discovery and transformation. And, uh, really, you know, just helping them find resources. The, the questions I get asked a lot are like, I think I have this, but my doctor says it's probably just depression. You know, now what do I do? And so a lot of those questions that people have, like, I don't even know where to go for a diagnosis. Like, what do I even do if I think I have it? A lot of those questions we deal with an answer in that community.
0: I love it. That's great. And I assume you said you do that community off the Facebook platform.
1: Yes, it's on a Mighty Networks platform. Oh, okay. Get, I know Mighty yeah.
0: Networks well. That's a great platform.
1: Yeah. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: So you mentioned shame. And for listeners who don't know, the typical, let me re- rephrase that. The neurodiverse child receives 20,000 more negative messages Before the age of 12, than a neurotypical child. So, we do grow up with all these little T traumas. They add up, and eventually we think we're stupid, we're lazy, we're broken, we're crazy. And we carry that stigma into adulthood. Those little nasty voices, you know, what we like to call the itty bitty shitty committee, are in there saying all these nasty things about ourselves. And now we drag that into adulthood, and there's this stigma and this shame. And I'd love you to talk about that and then sort of how. Community can help offset that.
1: Mm, yeah. Well, I think that's when we kind of get into the some of the genetic differences, or not genetic, um, some of the socializing, socialized differences between ADHD and boys and ADHD and girls, because it is so overlooked. And you know, really, I think when you talk about some of the comments that we get as children, a lot of us, especially in school, not all of us, some of us do really well in school some of us suffer. I mean, every, uh, I like to say when you've met one person with ADHD, you've met one person with ADHD. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, this idea that we sort of are perceived as being unwilling to do the thing and really it's an inability to do the thing. But so a lot of the times as kids, you know, the comments from our teachers or from our parents is just try harder, just try harder and keep trying and keep going. And that's the worst advice you can give a child who is neurodivergent because it's not the unwillingness to try, it's often just the inability. And so that comes out a lot as children. It comes out as sometimes there's outbursts and sometimes there's rage, but a lot of the time it's it's bottled up and it turns into sort of an anxiety and like you said this belief that we are broken and that there is something wrong with us because everybody else seems to be able to do the thing and we can't and we don't know why because we're good at other things you know and and so w- when you're so a lot of i think with a lot of women you know we're socialized to be nice we're socialized to be likable we're socialized to um be small and quiet and keep a home and and do as much as you possibly can until you fall over from exhaustion. And I think we're, we're we're led to believe that like you should never ask for help unless you are absolutely at your wits end. And so I think, you know, a lot of the time we're sort of like, well, let me just try to see if I can figure this out on my own. Let me see if I can do this on my own. And so, you know, it sort of perpetuates this idea that, you know, that independence and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess just, you know, work ethic. Uh, is a moral virtue in our culture. And so if you need help, it can be a really difficult thing to ask for unless you are absolutely, you know, like I was having an emotional breakdown <laughs> during the pandemic where you're just like, I can't function anymore. And so I don't know if I answered your question. I mean, I think it really it's it's something that for women especially, I think it's woven into the fabric of what it's like what it means to be a woman is to be, you know, self-sufficient. And that was the word i was looking for earlier, self-sufficiency. <laughs> and to be able to do absolutely as much as you possibly can and that's, you know, we just it can be traumatic for a lot of us.
0: And we crater and then we burn out. Mm-hmm. And i would love to talk to that a bit because i do think community helps us with the burnout. If we can find other women who are like us who can say, hey, these are the ways I unplug or, or it's okay to take a rest. It's okay to take a day off. I can't tell you how often I have clients will say, I can't take a day off. Yeah. Yeah, you can. And you should, Mm because you're going to feel better after. So, I mean, are you finding that as well when you're talking with your clients?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think of, you know, I think of, um, that idea that like it's really difficult for us to be kind to ourselves but we are the biggest cheerleaders to other women and and so i think that's one of the beauty of community is the fact that we can kind of mirror each other and realize like that thing that you felt really really bad about not only is it not a big deal, but look around you. We're all in the same boat and we're all figuring it out together. And I think that that can, you know, really combat the loneliness that a lot of women feel in their lives where they're like, what's wrong with me that I don't enjoy folding laundry or doing the dishes or hanging around with a two-year-old all day long, or all the things that we're kind of led to believe we should, you know, find joy in and become domestic goddesses. And we're like, wow, this is actually really stultifyingly boring. <laughs> and, you know, and and that's okay. You know, I think community gives you permission to explore the your true self in that way.
0: Right. I remember entering motherhood and finding parts of it, just like I wanted to put pins in my eyes, you know, I wasn't the mom who was into pretend play, which is wild because I'm creative and everything else. But I was much more interested in taking her to a museum or going to an art class and doing art together or going to music class. But I was not the mom who wanted to sit around and play dolls and prince and princess and all this kind of stuff. And thank goodness, my husband was great at that. That was totally his bag. He loved to do pretend play with her. You know, so she, she got plenty of it growing up. But it really took a mindset shift. And notice, I mean, this is pre-ADHD. This was me managing me, not managing ADHD back in the day of just saying, you know what? It's okay. She's growing up. She's getting a great childhood. And so I'm not the mom that does pretend play. That's okay. i also but really not the mom, mom that goes to the art laundry, museum. But <laughs> well, exactly.
1: I think that's the thing is that we tend to really focus on the things we can't do. And we lose track of the, of the value of the things that we are doing. And so I think that's another re- really why it's so important to mirror e- for each other and to say like you know I'm the same way I'm, I you know I always wanted to be make the most of every day and get through it <laughs> by going places and taking you know dragging my kids everywhere. My mom did the same thing. And so, instead of feeling bad about the fact that I couldn't sit down with my child and play Barbies with her, it, because I, you know, wanted to rip my hair out, um, I was the mom who, you know, took my kid all over the place, and we were always going somewhere, even if it was just the grocery store or Target. You know, like it was; those are just as fundamental for kids as well. But I think we have a tendency to just ignore the positives a lot of the time as women, right?
0: And there's so many opportunities for learning. I remember my daughter being barely verbal. And we were at the grocery store checking out and I put the debit card in and she said, money. And I said, oh boy, No, that's <laughs> not the message I wanted to send her. I'm like, okay, let's talk about what money really is. She was not a big math person, but boy, she gets money. <laughs> she like definitely has that whole thing figured out, how you add it up, how you subtract it, what it means, interest, the whole nine yards. And that's something she learned by, Going to the store and me noticing, oh, a debit card, is that how I want to teach her about money, right? And just being aware. And and maybe that's a gift from ADHD of just being really clued in to what's going on in our environments all the time. You know, we're always like noticing 75 things at once. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And we're noticing them, I think, at different times than we feel like we should. Like, you know, (laughs) like there are certain things where it blows my mind. I'm like, how did I make it this far in life and not realize It was something, you know? And then like my daughter is in high school right now. So I still have four, she's only in ninth grade. So I still have four years until she leaves the nest. But I have those moments of panic. Like I'm in the shower and all of a sudden I'm like, I have to teach her how to, you know, budget and talk about rent and all of this stuff. And I'm like, calm down, you've got four years. But like, I'm, you know, you you have those moments of panic. I'm like, okay, it's not like she's going to leave and never speak to you again. But, you know, you so badly want to like, have those, you know, instill all of these life lessons in kids uh, before they leave. And I'm just like, oh God, when am I going to have time to do all this stuff? Katie,
0: I'm 56. And just last week I was making chicken marsala and it called for cream. And we don't keep cream in the house because we can't have dairy. So I have some almond creamer. I happen to have this thing of buttermilk and no lie. I called my mom and I'm like, can I substitute buttermilk? She's like, absolutely not. What else do you have in that fridge? Go <laughs> open it up now. And, and she goes through and I'm like, well, I have almond creamer, there's no sugar, there's no vanilla flavors. No... Like, That's what you're going to use. Like ever so cautiously pouring it. I'm like terrified that almond creamer is going to wreck the taste of the chicken marsala. I called my mom. I mean, I'm 56. <laughs> I'm sure she gets a huge kick out of it. She Probably just cracks up.
1: Oh, yeah. That's good, good to fun.
0: know. And it's fun to hear her because when I found I have, out I have ADHD, she said, I wonder if I do. And you know, at 82, she's not sorry, mom, just told your age. She's not going to bother to go get diagnosed. She's like, I've lived just fine. I've managed my life. My life is good. I'm not going to bother with a diagnosis. But it's interesting to see how it goes in families and how just as my seeing my daughter's executive function stuff meant I started to look at mine. Then, you know, my mom says, hmm, I wonder.
1: It's really oh, kind of abs- I know. Absolutely. My mother has passed away, but she's like the one person I really wish I could have had a conversation oh. with about this so many times because, you know, she and I both struggled with me growing up. And I think there were a lot of mysteries to her because I had two older brothers who did very well in school and were both, you know, scholarships in Ivy League. And then I came along and and, you know, it was always sort of this joke like. Katie has a really, you know, I had, she would always say, you have the highest IQ of all three of my children. And yet you just like, you just do terribly at school. And it was this great mystery to them. And she would always say things like, you don't have book smarts, you have street smarts. <laughs> but, you know, I think there, she was sad for me because she saw that I was struggling and didn't know how to help me because nobody knew back then what was even going on or what was happening. So I know I really wish I could kind of like unravel all of this and connect all the dots with her and I often wonder, you know, but I think about I think about her life and all the things that she did to what do you you call it? you say it so well? It's like not managing just managing me, not managing ADHD, right? And so all of that kind of the ways in which she came up with, like organic hacks for right. for life. And I think, yeah, I probably, as much as I feel like maybe I got it from my dad, I'm pretty sure she had it too.
0: <laughs> interesting. Really interesting. Wow. Yeah. So we touched for briefly on community. Actually I'm forgetting cause cause ADHD, I got all excited and I went ahead. Do you have a favorite productivity pointer, strategy, hack you use? Speaking of mom managing me and me managing me, how's Katie managing you?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting because I think a lot of women with ADHD do have these like bursts of incredible uh, manic energy and productivity. We're interest-driven. So if there's something new and fascinating and we want to figure it out, we will spend 72 hours straight thinking about and trying to figure it out. And then we get burnt out and then we're exhausted. Uh, of course. And then, you know, and then we need to rest. And I think, and, and it's during that rest period that I used to really struggle because I'd be like, oh, why are you resting? Why can't you do anything today? Why are you so lazy? Like I would be so down on myself. And I think one of the things that I've learned to have so much more grace with myself, since my diagnosis, which is like, yes, of course you are resting. You are recharging your battery because of all the things you've done this week. And so I, I really kind of stop myself and think like, if I'm feeling down, if I'm feeling unproductive, if I'm feeling lazy, which is actually a forbidden word in my house, we actually have an L word jar. <laughs> we in swear like sailors in my house. Yeah. No, oh, Yeah, exactly. Right. House. We're like any, any self-deprecating words, you can swear like a sailor in my house. We don't care, but any self-deprecating words and it goes in the jar yep. because it, you know, it's really about that self-talk. And so I feel like my, I've, it's been much easier for me to look through my day and my week and be much kinder to myself in terms of like, where are my bursts of energy and productivity? It's almost like, you know, when you're the panic when you have young kids and you're like, my child won't eat. My child won't eat vegetables. My child's barely eating today. And the doctor's like, step back and look at the whole week. And you'll see that they're actually, you know, feeding themselves quite nicely. And so it's sort of the same way with productivity where I'm like, I really, I almost take those moments when I'm down at myself as like an opportunity to stop. And in that recharging, I can then kind of look back and be like, oh, you know, actually you're doing quite well.
0: (laughs) would be like the growth spurts and you're like, oh, they could could eat you out of a house at home. And then when they stopped, you're like, are you okay? Are you I
1: know, right? Forgetting
0: completely that it was a growth spurt, you know? So same concept, like we're really powerfully going and nonstop. And then we have to take, we have to put the brakes on and take a break. You know, we have Mm to, you know, switch from bullet train speeding down the track to sloth on the sofa for a bit to re-recharge. One of my clients calls that think weekly. She looks at her week and thinks of what she has to get done in a weekly pattern instead of a daily pattern, and she finds she gets much less stressed out if she works that way. So I think that's similar to what you're saying.
1: Yeah, and and I'm just so much kinder to myself. I actually enjoy when I am recharging because uh, you know rather than spending that entire time feeling guilty and fretting. And being down on myself, I can actually be like, oh, okay, yeah, all right, let's go with this. Let's ride this wave. And, you know, and I I have faith in the fact that I will be productive again.
0: (laughs) Being intentionally unproductive, my favorite thing. I'm so excited about that, Katie. That's awesome. (laughs) Women in ADHD, how can people find you? What are you in the midst of starting? I know when we're putting this podcast up, you're just about to start your book group. Talk to us a little bit about that and then how people can find you.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, one of my favorite workbooks for women with ADHD is The Radical Guide to Women with ADHD by Sari Solden and Michelle Frank. I loved it. I actually listened to it because I exclusively listen to books. And when I was listening to it, I was like, this sounds like a really great workbook. I should buy the actual book. And then I bought the book and was like, I'm never going to fill this out on my own. There are all these reflections. And I'm just, I was like, there's no way. So I I love that. And so I thought, you know, wouldn't it be great if I could just bring together a handful of women who we could just like hold space for each other and fill out these reflections together. And then, you know, talk about some of, do some verbal processing, which we love and talk (laughs) about our experiences and, you know, sort of do the book, do the workbook together. And that I started one in January. It was very popular. And I thought maybe like six women were going to sign up and 60 women signed up. So I have another one that's starting in March. It's a smaller group. Hopefully I think I'm going to cap this one because 60 was a bit too many. We organized everybody into small groups of three or four for the, for the discussions. I think it worked out really well. And again, it's like an opportunity to facilitate community and meet each other and, and share our stories. And it's so important for our healing journey. So that the next one is going through March and April is starting March 8th. And, uh, you can find out more about that at women slash book club. And if you want to join the, and, and by joining the book club, you also get access to the membership, um, the yes. basic membership. And you can also, if you just want to join the basic membership, we do charge a small fee of $10 to join. And the reason why I do that, it used to be a free community. And I found that. Like it was getting too big too quickly and people were joining with aliases and people were just kind of lurking and it stopped feeling safe. So uh, we decided to charge a nominal fee just so that people kind of stopped and thought like, okay, I have to show up as my true self and I have to, you know, do I want to join? They have to just stop and think, do I want to join this community? (laughs) Um, But I also, I love to say, you know, if that fee is prohibitive, please reach out to me, email me, And let me know because we don't want to be exclusive, but I do want to keep it safe and and small and friendly most of all because Facebook is none of those things. (laughs) Uh, And so, uh, uh, somebody doesn't like Facebook. I know, I know. I'm sorry. I'm bitter. Special. I think it was the one-two punch of the, of politics and the and COVID that I'm like nope peace out I'm out of here uh, <laughs> but so you can join the uh, community through womeninadhd.com. and you can find me there or you can find me on Instagram I love Instagram I'm uh, my personal account is Katie Weber K A T Y W E B E R dot ADHD and of course, the type in Women ADHD into a pod, any podcast platform, and you will hopefully find my podcast too. That sounds awesome. And I've really enjoyed
0: listening to your podcast. I've caught a couple episodes now, so that's been great. I listen to them while I'm walking. So when I'm being <laughs> intentionally unproductive and I'm taking a walk and listening to podcasts and getting my exercise and all those good things. That sounds um, highly productive to me, actually. <laughs> But in the best of all possible (laughs) ways, because I do love to learn and I don't always have time to do so. So you listen to books, I listen to podcasts, and it's all good. I am so grateful you were here with us today, Katie. Uh, It's been super fun. And I hope you'll come on again at a later date to discuss more because there's so much more we could have covered.
1: I know. Absolutely. That flew by. Thank you so much, Catherine. It's been a real pleasure.
0: You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office Podcast